Hello and welcome to episode 180 of SMARTS, which, as you know, stands for Speedster's Murderous Anger Reaches Terrifying Stage. Ooh. Ooh. Okay, I am Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, a Dash podcaster, and with me, as always, is Trevor, aka Rudiger Q Podcaster. That's right. Take it away. Uh, well, there's no news this week. Oh, that so was anticlimactic. Well, I can't help it. <laughs> So we're going to go straight to our comics of the week. Okay. What's your comic of the week? I picked The Curse of Brimstone, issue number one, the annual. Annual, annual number one. All right. Issue, uh, it, annual issue number one, yes. Um, I really loved it because you had Swamp Thing and Constantine make guest appearances and alongside the two protagonists um, who we were following already. It was just cool to see it. I'm going to keep the description short. It was just, I was geeking out because Swamp Thing was being awesome and Constantine was hilarious and casting charms on them. They, uh, at one point, they, he wants a ride from them, but they are like, no, we're not letting this creepy dude into our car. That's just no, even though one of them is like a perfectly capable hellspawn who could deflect any sort of real danger. But... Um, but still, they were they were like stranger danger. No, it's not happening. And then they wake up in the next on the next page in the car, clearly enchanted, uh, already driving him in the back seat, which was hilarious. Anyway, that's just a small little tidbit. But that's that's why I picked it because it was just really really fun. Mm-hmm. What'd you pick? I picked Naomi number one. Oh, it's a good one. It was a tight race between this and Batman. Uh-huh. Which Constantine was also in. Yes. But I thought this was a really strong first issue. First of all, the, the art was beautiful. The art and yes, the, the coloring was beautiful. Um, by The art by Jamal Campbell, if I'm not mistaken. And it I was think a, somebody else did the colors, though. And they deserve a big shout out. Because, yes, I can't remember who did the yeah, colors. Yeah, I'm sorry. We don't have the name. But um, um, but it was just a really good, it was a really strong first issue introduction of a new character. Mm-hmm. So this young um, African-American girl, the only African-American in, in her, her entire town, small yeah. town. Um the town is sort of a sleepy, not, nothing much happens around here, and that's the way we like it kind and of place. And everybody knows each other kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, until it's the epicenter of a momentary mm. pit stop and the fight between Superman and Mongol that blows into town and blows out of town before anybody really knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. And in trying, to, in trying to get information about the event and what happened and whether anything like that has ever happened in the town before, the main character, this girl Naomi, starts to ask questions about... Um, the history of the town mm-hmm. and what some people might know that she might not know and seems like it somehow involves the circumstances of her adoption 16 mm-hmm. years ago. Um, so it's like a really good like little mystery. And, and Bendis, of course, excels in in dialogue and you know mm-hmm. character interactions and stuff. And that's all over this. There's a lot of dialogue in this issue, not really much in the way of action, just one fight that's over in, and in, done in, with. in one two-page spread. Um, yeah, introdu- I mean, I, I don't remember like the names or whatever of all of her Friends. Uh, friends, but they're all very well sketched, sketched out. You yeah. know, like they're all. I can tell per- you what they look like and what their personalities are. Yeah, exactly. yeah. And he promises that this whatever secret she's going to uncover is going to be pretty Big. huge and in, in ramifications for the DC universe. So I don't know what that could be. Something to do with the multiverse or whatever. I have no idea. Um, so it's an interesting mystery from that perspective. But it's it's the you know the second launch in his Wonder Comics imprint that had. Young Justice number one a few weeks ago, and now this, and so we're getting Wonder Twins and uh, Dial H for Hero soon, and then that'll be the the line, unless I'm forgetting one. I think that's all of them. Um, so yeah, I think this this line is off to a really good start between Young Justice and this, and I think it's a promising new mm-hmm. new first issue, mm-hmm. launching a new series with a new character 
mm-hmm. and is hard. Like it's a, it's always it's a, tough, it's a yeah. minority character. It doesn't have a catchy name. It's an, it's a new, it's a new character mm-hmm. and it's a character that doesn't have a flashy costume or whatever. If it, if it didn't have Bendis's name attached, I think it would probably only last three or four issues right. before it would be canceled. But hopefully his, the weight of his name is enough to get it enough sales that I haven't read about how well it's doing, but hopefully it can last long enough to, I don't know if he's planning on, you know, sticking with this for a hundred issues or whatever, but he might have like a 12 issue story in his right. mind or whatever. And then he'll, he'll end it naturally. And hopefully it'll get to tell the story that he wants to tell. And a new so. character will join the roster of DC heroes. So that's really cool too. And I, I hopefully. should, I should add that he's co-writing with David Walker, who previously, I think I've only read a run of his on Cyborg that I wasn't too fond of. So I'm inclined to give, to give more of the props to Bendis than to him. Cause I detect more of his style and influence here than Walker's, but I don't know what the distribution of is, whether is, they yeah. co-plotted it and Bendis scripted it or whether they both worked on the script. I don't know. I don't really detect two different authorial voices in the dialogue. Well, so I'm inclined in, to think that only one of them scripted it, but yes, uh, it was Bendis who pitched it too, because I, I, from the interviews that we watched online, um, the two of them this stemmed from conversations that they had about growing up, about their own personal experiences um, in small towns coming up and being different in their immediate communities and how they felt about that. And just this long-lasting friendship that they shared um, and the conversations that they had within that friendship turned into a nice idea for a book. And it was to David Walker's surprise that Bendis pitched it and got it approved, and he's like, "Oh, oh crap! We're working on this. It's happening. That's great." And so, stories about stories fun. about um, adoption and um, underrepresented yeah. characters being being adopted is something that's close to Bendis's heart too. Because unless I'm mistaken, he and his wife have several adopted children that mm-hmm. are non that are non white. So mm-hmm. he's you know that's a big part of his life, and he's written other series for. For I mean, he created Miles Morales for a lot of the same reasons, and then he he did some creator own stuff that was about like two girls that were that were siblings, but one was adopted and one wasn't or something, mm-hmm. and they were not you know not traditional you know ethnicity and so on. So this is something. This is a theme that he comes back to a lot. So it's it's interesting to see him inject that into the DC universe, whereas normally it's just been his independent stuff and a little bit of Marvel stuff that's that's gotten that. So right. yeah. So I'm looking forward to seeing where it goes. Yep. Me too. So should we move on to your quiz? Yes, I'm ready. So this week, um, because the mobile game that we play, the city of final fantasy opera Omnia, which is a mouthful <laughs> is, um, going to its first anniversary. I thought I would quiz you about character abilities in the game. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So, okay. I, so I'm going to describe an ability and then give you four choices as to what it's called. And you need to tell me what the correct name is. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. Number one. Yes. And a lot of this might sound like gibberish to people who aren't familiar with the game, but hopefully it'll at least be mildly amusing. Yeah. All right, number one. Okay. Cloud's melee brave plus HP attack that has a chance to paralyze. Okay? Is it cross hit, cross slash, slash hit, or cross fit? It's cross slash. That's cross hilarious. Slash. Cross fit. <laughs> I detect the writing hand stylings of Ted, uh, a.k.a. Rudiger. All right, number yes. two. Cecil's melee brave attack that launches the enemy. Mm. Is it Valiant Blow, Violent Blow, Variable Blow, or Violet Blow? <laughs> That's hilarious. It's Valiant Blow. Yes. Yes. All right, number three. Vaughn's Wind Magic Brave Plus HP Attack. Is that White Spiral, White Out, White Whorl, or White Castle? No, it's the Spiral. No, it's White Whorl. White Whorl. Red Spiral is his Red other. Red Spiral. Oh, you tricked me. You, you got me good. Okay. All right, number four. Steiner's Melee Fire Brave Attack. Are you kidding? Is that Spell Blade, Spell Slash, Magic Blade, or Blade Trinity? Spell Blade. Spell Blade, yes. 
All right, number five. Lael's Magic Brave Attack. Oh, boy. Is it Field Burst, Force Field, Force Burst, or Delta Force? That's hilarious. Field Burst. Yes. All right, number six. Sabin's Group Wind Brave Magic Attack. Is it Slash Gale, Razor Gale, Aura Gale, or Gale Ann Hurd? <laughs> Who's Gale Ann Hurd? She's a producer who works, works with Frank Darabont. That's hilarious. Um, Razor Gale. Yes. All right. You're doing good on this one. All right. Number seven. Lightning's melee brave plus HP, HP attack. Is it flourish of blades, flourish of steel, flourish slash, or fluoride blast? <laughs> fluoride blast sounds like a great toothpaste. Um, no, it's flourish of steel. Yes. All right. Number eight. Noctis's ranged brave attack. Is it shooting star, meteor strike, comet slash, or first impact? <laughs> you got an evangelion reference in there that's awesome <laughs> oh I'm, i need a minute that was hilarious <laughs> i tickled my funny bone um no it's shooting star very good so you got seven out of eight sweet you need to work on your vaughn knowledge i suppose yeah i i messed up the white whirl and then the red red spiral yeah. i should have known that okay all right very good so that's it. So now we're on to our shows. That was a fun quiz. So now we've got a lot of shows. We've got Star Wars Resistance, Star Trek Discovery, Gotham, Supergirl, Flash, Black Lightning, Arrow, and Young Justice. Awesome. Yes. Spoilers. So, so, so Star Wars Resistance, this one was called The Doza Dilemma. Mm-hmm. Um, this one was, I mean, this one was pretty predictable, you know? Sonara, the pirates come, yeah, they kidnap Korra. Yeah, but it was still good. Come, I still found myself. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that Doza realizes i seems like it's obvious to us the audience because sure. we're seeing every step of it in excruciating detail but right. do you think he suspects he's being manipulated or yes. i would I hope do. so i would hope so too but i mean i feel like well first off he doesn't get a whole lot of screen time does he but second off i i do think that he he's wary of them and for good reason like i think it just seems too convenient yeah that, it's all that, too convenient that she would be kidnapped and they would happen to be and i know they had an explanation for oh we were monitoring yeah. pirate transmissions because we said we would help you out and so on but yeah, yeah. Um, it was a convincing lie, but I'm not sure that he bought it. And so, yeah, it's hard to tell from the way he was animated, whether he was just wary of them mm -hmm. for the same reasons he's always been wary of them, or if he suspected them of complicity in this specific incident. Yep. Um, Star Trek Discovery. This might've been my favorite one of the week. So Star Trek Discovery, New Eden, this one was called. I've seen a lot of people saying this is their favorite episode of the show so far. I'm not sure I would go that far because there were a bunch of ones in season one that I really liked, but this one was... Maybe the Star Trekiest mm -hmm. episode yet? Just think, I mean, they did the one with like the time loop in season one with Harry Mudd. Was that so was pretty Star Trekky too. But but it had a it, it was very modern in its pacing and yeah. its construction. Whereas this one was a classic concept with sort of a classic construction also. So if it wasn't for you know the more modern style to the dialogue and acting and pacing mm -hmm. and, and set design and cinematography and stuff, if you just looked at the script yep. and maybe like made the dialogue a little blander, it would read like yeah, an episode from thirty do, or forty years it? ago. Because um, <laughs> we, we've got better. a we've got a offshoot, we've got a planet with humans that were plucked from Earth by some alien force mm -hmm. and put there, um, and the crew. I almost said the Enterprise crew, and the Discovery crew has to decide you know how much to interfere and how to get the information they want, so et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Um, I don't know. I think I think uh, Anson Mantis Pike is quickly rising up the list of my. I see, saw some people on Twitter say he's their new favorite captain. I'm not sure I go that far after two episodes. Ooh. It would take a lot to supplant, you know, Picard or Cisco or yeah, whatever. Yeah. But I think he's probably above Archer for me <laughs> already. I liked Archer yeah. okay, but I think there's just there's just more. I don't know. There's, I'm getting more from from Pike. Like there's more charisma. There's more depth there in his backstory. 
I mean, yeah. I, I understand that I understand that Archer had a dog and liked water polo. It's true. I understand that both of those things are true, but yeah. I think I think there's still yeah yeah more going I on. Don't, with Pike. I don't know the, the the writing on. Well, we can really get into the geeky weeds on this one, um, but the writing on Enterprise was was good. But yeah, I think the writing on Discovery is way better. I think that I think that Pike is kind of the kind of captain that they wanted Archer to be, but for some reason couldn't write him that way. Because Scott Bakula is a very charismatic, down-to-earth, charismatic, warm, funny guy. I think a but lot of the time the, he as, was as just Enterprise making... Enterprise went on, they made him like a more and more dour character. Like yeah. he weighed down by the weight of his mission in The Expanse and then yeah. all this other stuff. Like they should have let him be the sort of like serious-minded yet still... Um, having playful a and pl- human, playful yeah. guy that Pike seems to mm-hmm. be. Like I think that's kind of what they wanted him to be, but just yep. for whatever reason they got away from that. But I think that they're getting back to it now. Um, <laughs> what I mean, was the quote from this episode that really, really shined on Twitter? Um, let me see. I, if you're telling me that, if you're telling me that um, we're going to instantly travel halfway across instantly. the universe on a highway made of mushrooms, I'm going to have to take it on faith. Yes, something like that. That's it. And then they said to Detmer and you, just drive good. Drive good. That's right. Where, is it? Where are the red things? She goes, Where, yes, supposed, sir. We're supposed to be red things. Where are my red things, right? <laughs> yes. Um, yeah. And I, and I like the I like the addition to his character. I mean, he's pretty much a complete tabula rasa after the cage. Yeah. I mean, all we, all we knew about him is that, you know, he was weighed down by decisions he made in some conflict at some point. Right. And Some he, war that and, predated and, the Klingon and war. And he was from Mojave. And that's all we got from yeah. that episode. Um, so here, the, the idea that his, like his mother... What was his was his mother a scientist? I know they said his his father had a scientific background, but also taught comparative religion. I forget what they said to his mother. Right. Did. But that's like an interest. So, so giving him this uh, this sort of spiritual side, mm-hmm. which no, I mean you could talk a lot about Cisco's spiritual side, but he sort of he sort of had that forced on he him at first and then grew into, into it. it. Yeah. But this is something that that um, the Pike grew the up with. Yeah, this is just a perspective he has mm-hmm. as a captain that most other Starfleet captains don't. The yeah. idea that something could be could be. Um, not complete. Something could have a scientific explanation, and yet at the same time, like transcend the need for one. Right. Something could be of spiritual importance and not really need a scientific explanation, although he's willing to accept that there is one. And you know, it's his job to find that out. But he doesn't need that validation himself. Yep. For something to be meaningful, you know, like it's an interesting, and and the idea that this is even before the original series, it makes sense that there would still be people like, and not to say that eventually nobody is spiritual in Star Trek. I'm sure there. I mean. You could obviously point to the Bajorans and Klingons and so on, but amongst humanity, it seems like the more time goes on in Star Trek, the fewer humans have any spiritual mm-hmm. side. Although I guess you've got Chakotay or whatever, so I guess there are still like certain subcultures amongst Earth that yeah. still have a. Although, the, although I don't know, I could, I can now I'm you kind can of sur- yeah. You well, Chakotay's people like left Earth so that they want. could continue to pursue their own sure. because they thought Earth was becoming too secularized, you know. But then we've got, um, is it Owosuke? Is that how you pronounce her last name? Uh, in this episode, oh, right, who yeah. we find out she's from like this Luddite sect mm-hmm. on Earth. So there's apparently even, and they're you know apparently. But she was, a, but it, within that sect, she said that she and her parents were non-believers, so they didn't attend any services, any any church. Sure, but services. the idea, the idea that the, yeah, so but even that the idea that there are there are groups on Earth that still shun technology. Yeah. Presumably not in any sort of um, violent or even confrontational way, because that would be against the whole Earth is Paradise thing. And obviously she's a bit of a rebel, even from that cult, because she joined Starfleet. So there's probably an interesting story there. Um, but yeah, a lot of new inter- interesting information, and the the way that it was dealt with on the planet, the way they the way they juxtaposed 
Burnham's desire for scientific explanation with Pike's, mm-hmm. you know, spirituality, and then all the Spock stuff that was throughout that also, and and the humor. Yeah, it was just a really good, really good episode. And I like the guy that was on the planet. I've forgotten his name now, but the one guy that that one that thought they were oh, from Earth and yes. really wanted that proof. And the idea. I want to say it was like a simple name, like Fred it was. Or, or Jim or but something Pike, like that. Pike Pike wasn't willing to blow the prime directive, but he was willing to come back down later and give the guy like a power cell and give him the edification yep. of knowing that he had been right all along you know um and so i like that that's something that i don't think you would see like picard do picard would have been like nope we're out yeah 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 they would have just severed ties and be like well we have to do what we have to do and stick to our principles and those laws hold true for a reason and all that we'll see if it gets repetitive after a while but it seems the structure that the season seems to have is that these red bursts appear somewhere where the discovery is needed for some sort of humanitarian or rescue mission because that's happened twice now um, and moreover, the the asteroid samples that they obtained in the first episode were the key to solving the problem in the second episode. So they're not even like unrelated rescue missions or rescue missions that seem like they build upon yep. the previous ones. Mm-hmm. So whatever these red bursts are and these red angels that Burnham has now admitted to Pike that she saw and that Spock has seemingly seen as well. Mm-hmm. Um, well I, I mean, I, I don't have any idea where they could be going with that, but it's an interesting set up for this and it lets them do something that's a bit more standalone than they did last season where the whole season was basically one long war arc this lets them have a through line yet still tell smaller stories and so we'll see if that gets repetitive after a while if every week we're tracking down a new red burst or whatever Um, but for now I think it's a smart way to structure a season that lets you do more Star Trek adventure type stuff it's fun because I mean they really did bring the previous stories to conclusion to satisfactory conclusion and now they have more stories to tell because you know the adventures continue, and, and, it's and just we're re- revisiting the Klingon stuff this week mm-hmm. too. And we know we're seeing Ash Tyler it. and Laurel again, yep. so we're going to be following up on some thread from, threads from the first season. Also, so if we're seeing Ash Tyler, then presumably we're going to get a little Section Thirty One stuff too. Do you think we're going to see? Well, that Captain... was Georgiou, though, not I know. Ash Tyler. I know. Although she was on Kronos last we saw her, that's what and I'm she saying. Was approached so was by he. That, that trail Section Thirty One. Because he guy. was he was her guide at some point. Wasn't no, he? he had gone off with Laurel to. Uh, oh, he had gone yes, off with Laurel yes. to. She was going to like help him reacclimate, and he was going to like be her, you know, the angel on her shoulder as she guided the Klingon Empire forward. He was going to try to bridge the gap between humans Human and, Klingons and Klingons or whatever. Yeah. But Georgie was like. The last we saw, she just escaped, and then we saw that little webisode where she was like running a bar or something, and that. Trill from Section 31 came and said, hey, do you want to join Section 31? Yes. He left her standing there with that black badge. Yes. So last we saw, she was running like a dive on Kronos. And then, yeah, but yeah, we could see her again. This could be how they reintroduce her. Um, so Gotham. Yes. So I'm continuing to to enjoy this No Man's Land thing. Do you, so you asked me if I thought that, I keep wanting to say Jerome. It's Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah yeah. is the new one. Um, if he's really dead. I wouldn't put it past him, but if so, that would be really anticlimactic. Yeah. He shows up and then five minutes later, Selena stabs him and he's dead. But yeah. I don't know how you, I mean, this show has brought characters back from the dead a bunch of different ways. But I don't know why you would kill him off so close to the end of the show and then just bring him back a few episodes later, only to presumably have him be defeated again by yeah. the main good guys. Yeah. So it's it's a weird decision, but sometimes the show does does weird things. Yep. I am getting a little, I, and, and think it's, I do think it's getting a little repetitive, the whole thing where... How, like, how many times in the past two or three episodes has Penguin showed up with a bunch of goons with guns and God. threatened Gordon? It yeah. happens, like, three times an episode. I know. And one time they subverted it. They're like, oh, we're actually here to help. I'm yeah. like, oh, cool. And I was going to be on the good yes, guy's side for a while you. because yeah. we saw that in the flash forward. But, but And they worked together for, like, ten minutes. And then again, by the end of the episode, he's storming yeah. in with his guys with guns again to, to shoot the place up or demand something. It seems like it happens a lot. And then the fake trial 
where they... I thought the trial stuff was interesting. That was interesting, but I was kind of disappointed by how the... I don't know. I just would have scripted it differently. I liked the structure of it, but I did not like the dialogue because it seemed so hollow. And like if Jim Gordon was trying to make a case for why Gotham should try to be better, he did not do a very good job. Well, I don't know whether... So it's hard to tell how it was... What the intention behind the writing was because he even expressed doubts himself to Harvey before that. He's like, well, I know this is injustice, but maybe it's what the people need. So maybe they were going for a whole... Like, like he's giving his traditional Jim Gordon speech, but even he doesn't quite believe it this time. And that's why he doesn't get through to the people. Mm, but it no. did seem like he was yeah. giving... His full throated, yeah, yeah, exactly. Maybe it's just that we, the audience, have seen and give so many similar speeches that we're kind of oh, like yeah. these people, like, okay, we're we're not yeah, buying yeah. it anymore, exactly. You know? um, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm enjoying the season, but I, I feel like even three up, ep- even three or four episodes in that they're starting to get like I feel like they need to move the story forward. Yep. Like Bruce and Selena's story, like seems like it's moving forward. The Riddler thing, oh, that's the other thing. Like we find out Riddler was the one that blew up Haven for some reason. That that whole thing with him and Lucius doing the investigating yeah, was pretty was interesting. Mm-hmm. I just feel like the the Gordon versus Penguin thing feels like it's just treading over the same ground over it and over really again. Really is, yeah. Um, so Supergirl, this one was called Blood Memory. This was a this was sort of a Neonal spotlight mm-hmm. episode as well as dealing with the fallout of Jean erasing Alex's memories of Kara. Yep. I think that they did a good job with the memory thing because I mean it's it's in all the ways that you would expect. Like you can't just remove your memories of a person or or a facet of a person without having a domino effect on yes. several other things. Mm-hmm. But I do, I do like she wasn't like immediately an alien hater mm-hmm. because as Kara pointed out, like she's lived and worked alongside aliens for years now for mm-hmm. John and now Brainy and other aliens too, you know. So it's not like she would suddenly hate aliens, but she doesn't quite have the same personal, that it doesn't quite have the same personal relevance to her because she didn't grow up with one. So she's a fair-minded, just, accepting, tolerant person. Yes. But she can be, you know, she can be a lot quicker to, you know, come to down judge. in the to yeah. judgy side of aliens than she would if she had that personal experience. So I thought they struck a good balance there. And as far as the... I always still thought it was really interesting that she was incapable in the very beginning of the episode. You remember all the doubts that she had about how she couldn't spot this clue, how she couldn't uh, trust this instinct, how she was being schooled by some frat boys in the very beginning and she couldn't even break them. Yeah, in the but then John room. gave her like the, his little pep talk, that was placebo a pep talk, thing, but, and it seemed like it worked. Well, so. kind of, sort of. I think but that not was just really. her own doubts more than it was yeah. anything wrong with her mentally. But, I mean, but we both. know that there's something wrong with her mentally, but I think that it wasn't what was affecting her in that case. It was more just her doubts. I think that's the way it was kind of presented. I see. I don't know. Well, she wasn't, honest. yeah. Cause there's, I, two, there's two things wrong with her. She's legit missing memories, and I think she was plagued with doubts because she thought that little squid thing yeah. that Haley was using, the truth seeker or whatever, messed, messed with, with her, her somehow. brain, yeah. And she was right about one and wrong about the other, and Jean was able to sort of ease her fears. So what right. she doesn't know, she doesn't, you know, she's right. got an... An unknown unknown and a known unknown, you know? And so he, he, he kind of yeah. eased her fears about one, but the other is still there. Yeah. And all the, the Nia stuff was interesting too. I mean, it's... So interesting. Um, I love the effects. My God, so many visual effects. The way, her, the way her mother died was almost comically yeah. sudden. No. I, I feel like they could have done... Like, they could have done something else. Like, she, she could have arrived. Like, I guess they wanted to have her have the visions of, like, a sudden death or whatever. But mm-hmm. couldn't they have just had... Like, they arrive... Like, Nia sees a slightly different visions and they arrive and her. It turns out her mother was secretly ill for years but hadn't told anyone... And she dies suddenly. Like, why'd they have to have have it be like a sudden spider bite? That, that was just weird. It's weird drama, you know? Like, I, I know she was a one-off character. Think, you but... know why? Because that's what happens. Dumb stuff like that happens all the time. And I think that certain things well, like I know that in real life, like that... but dramatically, like if you're watching a Star Trek episode why and, not emulate and our really crew, life? our Starfleet crew is confronting the bad guy at the end of the episode and then the bad guy just drops dead from a random spider bite. Like, yeah, as you say, that kind of stuff can randomly happen in real life, but it doesn't mean it's dramatically fulfilling. 
It just it seems I weird in fiction. I think I agree. You know why? Because when it's like based in real stuff like this, it feels no. <laughs> well, it's based in real stuff, like an alien from Naltor. Well, you know what I whose mean. Whose death was prophesied by her transgender daughter dying of a sudden insect bite, so that her powers can be <laughs> just real life stuff, like happens all in, in real life every day. Oh, are you saying that she had to die in order for Nia to? accept the responsibility of the next dreamer because both of them had their powers so then when her daughter was trying to say when are my powers coming when are my powers coming was she actually saying when is my mom gonna die no i'm not saying that she no because nia's had the powers all along no i wasn't saying that i was just i was just sort of riffing on the fact that you said that this is this is like a down-to-earth this is a more down-to-earth no, situation that happens in real life and i'm like i don't think any aspect of this is something that happens in i know real life. no i i got your joke but it did prompt the thought i was like wait a minute to each generation a slayer is born but um no she had the powers already it's just a, it's yeah, just a genetic so thing like genetics that. don't suddenly happen don't suddenly start being expressed when your mother dies that's yeah, not yeah. how it works although i do think and even in the recap i think didn't they say that it, it's a rare gift on Naltor? Yes. Didn't they say like yes. it's a very rare? Can't be that rare if one woman in every generation of each family has it. Maybe it's not every family. Maybe only very, yeah. very few families have it. Mm-hmm. And in those families, one woman a generation has it. But even so, that's not that rare. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. I don't know. It seems like no, they kind No, it's not. Of, I mean, it's part of their it's part of They didn't race. make it seem that rare. No, they didn't make it seem that rare. That was deliberate. No, before, like no, before from... in the in the in the recap that was footage taken from a previous episode, Nia said, "Oh, I have this future sight thing because I'm from Naltor, and it's a rare, it's it's a very rare thing on my family. Like very very few women can have can do this thing or whatever." Within her family tree, it's only one per one per but generation. That's not that rare. Like if you have a couple of no. kids and one of them has the gift, that's a fifty. That's a, as we saw in this episode, it's a fifty fifty shot. It's not that rare. Right. Rare is like one in a million people. You know what I mean? That's like a rare... No, it's not super rare, but I mean, it's part of their thing. It's just like not every single... I don't know. That's like saying brown hair is rare because you might have three or four kids and only one of them might have brown hair. Brown hair is not but rare. That sh- I don't think it was set up as like super, super rare. I thought rare. they said like that in was... a previous episode that was also in the I don't know. I got, from the family, I got from the character's description of her home planet that is pretty common. Well, it is This the is comics. a common thing in the, in the, in the, in the, uh, in the planet that she's from. Like it's common I, that's the way that a it is. In, that's the way it, it is in the comics. Because in the Legion comics, basically everybody from a planet has the exact same powers. Everybody from Brawl, Brawl, everybody from Brawl has magnetic powers like Cosmic Boy. Everybody mm-hmm. from um, Saturn has from Saturn power. is telepathic. Yeah. Everybody from Naltor has. I thought I could be wrong about the Naltor thing, but I think it's just another instance in the Legion of everybody from Durla is a shapeshifter. Like it's, I think yeah. it's just like that's a trait of their race. Yes, like most yes. of the things in the Legion are. Yeah, um, but it's not. Not everybody has it in that world. It, it's common, but it's not for I everybody. Could be wrong, but I think that I think that in the comics it is everybody. But and I thought that's why I thought in the show I was surprised when they made it sound like it wasn't the case in the show. That um. that it was actually just like a rare thing, like a. It's rare that you've got like this very rare blood type or whatever. Like only one in ten thousand people have this blood type or whatever. Like it was that rare, but I could be wrong. Um, so Black Lightning. Mm-hmm. So I thought. Did you think so? Now we got you know we can talk about both episodes that we've seen. But I, did you think that the that the whole uh, uh, Khalil and Jennifer running away thing sort of ended in an anticlimactic fashion because yeah. they just decided to go home. After three episodes of being on the run and everybody telling them they had to come home and hunting for them, they suddenly just decide to come home and then they come home. 
with that incident. That seemed a little, I mean, there were incidents later, no, obviously. I don't, I don't think so. I think it was well earned. For my, for my part, I think it was well earned. And not only that, but I really appreciated their logical approach to it. Because a lot of It was of people, logical, but again, like I think well, it's, honey, but, but if you spend three episodes with characters on the run, just have them suddenly realize the logic of the situation and go home. No, it was good because they were faced with it, you know. They, at first they were like young kids who sort of fantasize about the real, the uh, some heroic gesture by running away from their, you know, shut-in house oppressors and, and oh, I'm going to uh, live my life and I'm going to help this person who's in trouble and I'm going to run away from the big bad guys who are trying to kill people and all that stuff. But then they fi- are faced with reality, like, this is, where are we going to run to is number one. And you're putting everybody else in danger because they are going to come and find you and all this stuff. And then they have a conversation with family and reconnect with their family and decide all together like what the smartest thing to do is. And I really appreciated the level of maturity that was achieved by the kids who kind of grew up more in that moment and with that decision. I, I really like that writing and I love the story choice to make that happen. And you know, Khalil was going to fess up and pay for his crimes and pay his debt to society and then come back and, and they were going to resume a, a plausible and and achievable, peaceful life together. And that was going to be the plan. But then plans went belly up because of the, um, wait, Cutter is her name? Is that is that her yeah. villain name? Because Cutter got a hold of a whole bunch of people. The only thing I really didn't like about that scene, by the way, I'll say, is that they all had guns pointed at yeah, her. Yeah, that bugged and me too. It just if, no. If she had, that's not how it works. If she, they could have just staged it differently. Like if yes, she, if she'd you. set up a roadblock and then she like she does like a, a Batman thing where mm-hmm. she like she darts between the vehicles and takes them down and like they don't even know she's there. Right. But the fact that she was twenty feet away from them. Yeah, it's too And they far had their away. guns. Like she, she just logistically she couldn't close the no distance way. between them no way. before. Like human they beings can't move that fast. No. So, but if she'd been like secretly there and yeah. slicing their throats from behind or something. Yeah. If she had taken them down them. one by one, exactly. that'd be one thing. But yeah, that that seemed like they could have stayed. That, that was better. way too. No, that was. Yeah, she that can't did, teleport. I'm sorry. Me. And I was gonna I was gonna complain about how it was out of character for for Tobias Whale to let Khalil live. But I guess as we discover in the next episode, it was basic basically a short short term death sentence anyway because yeah. he died just like a couple of days later from. Yeah. You know, basically is the toxins in the system. I guess was the spinal thing. I mean, it's it doesn't. I'm not sure. It really makes a lot of sense. Was the the spinal implant like helping him? filter the toxins that his body because the whole thing is he's got this the pain only killer reason, thing right like, right the only reason why the toxins were in his body was because some uh, some chemical byproduct of inserting that particular technology right. into his spine made him toxic to other things so like he but he then, had these toxins the thing out exactly. shouldn't the toxins go away no, not get worse no because they're still in his body like they had to sort they of could flush that out they could like do dialysis or, or well something if they like could they would have that's like it, that's the, part of the comic i'm not sure magic. about the medical like they, explanation really whatever it is well. that's in his system was preventing them from anesthetizing him the way the normal way and tr- giving him treatments that maybe would have been able to help him including sedating him such that he could be put into a pod. So all those toxins. I mean, yes, it's hand wavy, but that's the explanation, and that's kind of how yeah, you have I'm not to sure really adopt it. That. So do you do you think now I that did. with Khalil dead at, at Tobias Whale's hands, this will be the uh, the impetus for Jennifer to suit up and become a superhero? I think so. Yeah. yeah, I do. That's probably I think likely. So. Um, do you have anything else to say about Black Lightning? Oh man, I I really I gotta say, like I I liked the scene where she blew up that racist bitch's car. <laughs> that was. That was a good scene. That was that was um, necessary, and that was also an interesting way for her to get sort of 
um, what do you call it, that adrenaline rush that made her start to glow. And then we see what's her, what's the woman's name, the therapist, for remember. lack of better, for lack of better term, but she she kind of like appeared. I kept, so confusing, she's like the, psychic, I kept you know? confusing the therapist. There were a couple of scenes where I, I was confused the therapist with Khalil's mother. Oh, no. There was a scene at the the scene at the end where Khalil's dying and Jennifer's there in like her mind link with him. Uh-huh. And then it pulls out and you see another woman there. And I'm like, oh, that's the therapist because she's the one with the like the mental powers, right? So oh. I thought she was like bridging Jennifer and Khalil's minds in oh, some way. Oh, I see. And yeah, I was she had confused. her head she had her head down so you couldn't see her face. So I'm right. like, oh, that's the that's the tele, that's the telepath again. Yeah. Um and then she I starts breaking down how... like, oh, that's Khalil's mother. So how did Jen cuz and the whole time I was like, oh, that's the therapist. And I'm like, where's so Khalil's how... mother? Yeah. Like fr- his friends and like his old principal are here, but his mother isn't. And then I realized it's the mother and then I'm like, wait, so how did Jennifer do that? I was wondering how Jennifer did that too, but no, I did not mistake the identity of the two Because her head was kind of bowed and, you know, and they have a similar sort of cornrows hairstyle. So mm-hmm. for a second I was, but. Similar, but, but guess, not identical. I, I guess no, it kind of makes some sense that Jennifer could, I don't know. Like it's all crazy science. It but is if, crazy. But if she's able science, to like but... visualize and manipulate the nervous system of other people, mm-hmm. I guess there's a way that she could use, and it didn't, it didn't seem, it didn't seem like this is what she was doing. It seemed like she was doing more telepathy than anything yeah. else. But I guess maybe they could do crazy science where she's able to use her electrical powers to like create a, a circuit basically between herself mm-hmm. and somebody else. Mm-hmm. Cause the, you know, the brain like thoughts yeah, are just, trying to work are just on electrical that. impulses exactly. firing. So it does kind of in some way make sense, but it didn't seem like that's what she was doing. It seemed like she was doing what the therapist does and creating How some sort of good an actor way. is Khalil, by the way. He's really good. Yeah. He had to cry a whole lot, which is no small feat for an actor, but just the empathy and the pain. And he was strapped down face down in a table and he emoted so much and really just, perform the heck out of it but that actually back to the um the the prom scene in jennifer's mind how great were they in the prom scene in that that small the sound design was great too because oh you could God, yeah. you can hear you like sounds hear sounds machines. sounds of a party like a prom mm-hmm. but you could also hear like you're saying like the sounds of the 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 machines beep yeah beep, the beeping beep, and like yeah. some of the hospital sounds like gurneys being wheeled Amazing. around and like people chattering and so on so it was like a mix of the two yeah one that, of my favorite sound design that scene really, was really this good. episode is top to bottom pretty wonderful so Arrow, we again watched a couple of episodes. So I guess the big thing in these couple of episodes is the introduction of Emiko. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I were, I don't know, maybe they just didn't want to do Thea 2.0, but I think if I were them, I would have maybe cast a little younger. Mm-hmm. I think it, it's, I don't know, like, I don't know how I feel. But maybe it's just because I'm used to the comics. Maybe, but, yeah. I mean, they do do, I mean, they cast, you know, Roy was, when they introduced Roy in season one, he wasn't 15, he was whatever, like. 22 or something right like or 18 or 20 or whatever anyway yeah. right so i guess they they're going a little older they don't want to have like a kid sidekick on the show but it, it does i don't know like it's it's Can weird seeing she's, like, she's like 30 like she has the, to be the idea that she's playing like this you know why abandoned she has girl to be. she has to be around that age range do you know why because well, like even in yeah, yeah in even in this particular episode um what's his name in the interview oliver gave uh, he said 12 years ago when we survived the initial crash on the Queen's Gambit. Yeah, yeah and but he, they, could, the they could still years. play her as a teenager. Like Robert Queen could have had the secret family only a year or two before right. the Queen's so Gambit she was went like down five as opposed when to her mom 15 years something. before that. Like I understand that it's worse from Oliver's perspective that his father had the secret family for a long time yes. and didn't do right by them or tell anyone yeah. as opposed to like Oliver – in his case with William, where he fathered a child like the day before he got on the boat. And so, you know what I mean? And right. so he's like 12 now or whatever. But he didn't even know. No, I know. But I'm saying like instead of, because in, of, instead of that, like it's worse in Robert's case because A, he knew about it and B, he knew about it for a long time. Right. But I do think like this angry young girl trying to get revenge for her 
the the wrongs that she suffered would kind of work better if they cast her a little younger than mm-hmm. like this woman who seems like she's probably in her 30s anyway like late 20s be, yeah. early 30s mm-hmm. i don't know but i mean, she did a good job i'm i'm not i'm not don't feel like i've got a super strong attachment I to think, her yet but no i i like her first off but uh i also like the choice that they made to to age her up a little bit because it makes it even more horrible that uh oliver's dad had this secret thing for so much longer than just whatever but also it makes perfect sense from emiko's perspective because if she were fantasizing during her childhood that would be one thing but she was a teenager and she still had these hopes and dreams and to have that level of betrayal happen when you are a teenager can really darken you yeah maybe it wouldn't work as well for the backstory i'm just thinking like in terms of like what the show needs what would spice up the show yeah like in the early seasons they had thea yeah and they had roy like the idea of like a young hothead on the team or like out there on the streets yeah and in contrast to like the older cast who's now like pushing 40 in a lot of right. cases. Like Stephen Amell was, was 32, 33 when the show started, and that was seven years ago. Right. You know, and most of the other characters are his age or older, like Diggle's older. You know, yeah. a lot of the characters are older. They don't have Quentin anymore. He was the oldest. But, you know, I feel like, you know, they, that having a character who's a substantially different age from the other characters would kind of Offset. freshen things up a little sure. bit. You know, like Maybe. add a bit of variety to the show as opposed to like another 30-something archer with a dark past, you know? I just felt like it would add a little bit of variety, like a char- that kind of character type we haven't had since it's been. I, I know that Roy is technically a regular on the show again, but we rarely see him, and even when we do, it's in the future, and he's even older there, obviously. I was thinking it would be pretty cool to have um, Emiko's or- or- original uh, origin in there, in terms of who her mother was, because in the I don't comics, see how I they think could it's, do that. How could I know they, do they that, couldn't though? do that anymore. No, they couldn't do that. But somehow they did it in the comics, and it really, really flew. Well, and that's because in the comics, Shadow was. In the new 52 comics, which is where when Emiko was created, Shadow was young for Robert Queen, mm-hmm. but not they. She wasn't Shadow wasn't like Oliver's age or younger. She was mm-hmm. closer to Robert Queen's age, and so it kind of worked. Whereas before the new 52, Shadow and Oliver did have a thing, and in fact, they had an illegitimate son, Robert Queen. They named him after Oliver's father, and so Oliver had two kids he had, by two different women. He had Connor, and he had, um, oh. and of course, you know, adopted kids like you know whatever Roy and Mia and so on. But sure. Um, so it's it's kind of you know and the, but then they moved it off to the to be like a half sister thing as opposed to that but yeah I just feel like I feel like having Thea as as what she call it what she call it? just speedy. speedy I want to keep on call her Red Arrow um, <laughs> well she was trying to get that yeah. to work well Thea having Thea on the show and especially when she was like struggling with her dark side or whatever yeah. like they kind of strung that out for too long but it it did add a, a new a different element to the show. Like yeah. there was this young hothead female character on the show yeah. who wasn't like wise and weathered and, and a veteran of the fight like everybody else is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And now, but she's now just like apparently just as well-trained and, and experienced and old as everybody else, you know? I don't yeah. know. I just felt like it, they could have freshened it up a little bit more. Um, and then Young Justice... So, so these are the last four before the break. So a lot, a lot happened. I had to go back and look at four episodes and like, but what were the? So the first one was, I mean, there's subplots. There's a lot of other things happening in the sure. background, particularly with the outsiders' characters and their training and they're getting closer and whatever. But the first one is mostly about Batman, Katana, and Metamorpho mm-hmm. infiltrating Santa Prisca. The second one was mostly about um, uh, Halo and Forger's first day at school, juxtaposed with Cyborg's origin. Mm-hmm. Then the third one was the whole Beast Boy gets lost in the VR world thing, and then the fourth one was. Um, the outsiders go infiltrate the um, metahuman auction and find Terra. So mm-hmm. those are like the, the broad strokes of the four episodes. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoy. I'm not sure any of these were like huge standouts to me the way like the Vandal Savage one was last last week. Um, but obviously, I 
I, I think they did. I mean, I've seen, I don't know how many versions of Cyborg's Origin I've seen, but I, I like that they, I don't think I've ever seen a version where, I don't know, I'm the Justice League animated movie kind of did this a little bit, the, but the idea that after being, because originally you, it didn't have to do with um, a football for, game fourth or a world car technology crash or, like that, or, yep. or mother box at all. Mm. He just, he was a, a bad car crash or something and his father rebuilt them using just like cybernetic technology. Yep. The idea that it, it was like a mother box that was fused to him was something that Jeff Johns created for the new 52. So, but what, what that does is lets you tell the kind of story that they did here, which I don't think I've seen before, where that technology is kind of overriding his mind a little bit periodically. Yeah, influencing his actions. And unless them do that really tense scene they did later where it's nighttime and they're in the house yes. and it's almost like a slasher movie where he's he's chasing Halo through the house, you know? Um, that was such a great scene and the, the ending of it. Oh my and it lets them tie everything together too between that mother box and the one that Connor remembered seeing dismantled in Markovia and then we discovered that's the one that was kind of like its soul was basically mm-hmm. in, in Halo's, is now in Halo's body. And that, that explains why she has the tie to the mm-hmm. super cycle and everything. So that all came together. So in the comics, Halo had a similar but different origin. She was, it was like the, the soul of an uh, ancient alien being or something like that oh. that, that took it. Went into a human body, mm-hmm. but it was not a mother box. So they've got and did kind it take over a dead human body? I like don't in this case? think they had that macabre element in there, but I could be wrong about that. Um, I don't know. I didn't read that story. I'm just going off of what I've read. You know, other people talking about okay, what how they changed it for the show. Um, but that's an interesting way to way to way to go about it. Um, let's see the uh, so yeah the cyborg origin stuff. I thought that was a good version of cyborg's origin. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I thought the actor did a good job. Uh, the the actor that the cast is as oh, yeah. uh, Cyborg. He's great. The Beast Boy in the VR. So we knew that something was going to come of these good goggles oh, and yes. granny goodness and so on. Um, it was weird to see. Like that was a, that whole sequence was weird. Like Gar is in this, he's, he's in like a VR version of the of the space show that he's on. Yes, just and having it's fun. populated by dead superheroes like Wally and that Jason Todd weird. and Ted Kord mm-hmm. and Tula. Some of whom were like, did he even meet some of these people? I guess, I guess maybe. Like, sure, we don't he, know how long he'd been on. They all did training and stuff. Like, together. well, no, but but Ted Cord, like, I, we don't we don't know because season two started. Most of these people were already dead, and yeah. Beast Boy was on the team, yep. so we don't know yep. how long he's been on the team. Whether he overlapped with the tenure of any of those people, certainly he knew Wally. Um, but so 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 that's weird, and then. Then it transitions into this into Doom Patrol Go, which is basically a Teen Titans Go esque send up of the Doom Patrol. But I was I was a little confused because they 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 mentioned so Rita Farr was an actress that was on Hello Megan with his mother. Yes. And Steve Dayton, aka Mento, was like this billionaire who who like took Gar in for a time mm-hmm. afterwards and is now kind of repping him basically. Yeah. But but I was a little confused by the whole Doom Patrol stuff because uh, were they saying that the Doom Patrol actually existed? Or is this just like Gar's fever dream of like, oh, all these people that he knows, like everybody he knows dies and he knows a lot of superheroes. So his mind sort of concocts like, oh, what if all these people I knew were actually superheroes called the Doom Patrol and they're destined to die just like everybody else I cared about? Did you get that? Or did you think there had actually been a superhero team called the Doom Patrol that Rita Farr, who knew him when he was young, was on? Somewhere in the year's gap that we didn't see. I thought there was a Doom Patrol reference. And I thought that that was why the Rita Farr connection existed. Because he knew what happened to her eventually. And he... He was close enough to her at some point but that he knew but, about. But the Mento group. is still there. Mento is still like he was in this episode with yeah, his I like snidely, with his little snidely whiplash voice there, like yeah, it's very exaggerated. Um, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I guess I'm like it just seemed like a lot to know, suddenly say. I... Oh, by the way, there's been a Doom Patrol. It was never mentioned before. Now they're all dead now, presumably. 
And this this one-off character that you only saw briefly, Rita Farr, who was on the show a long time ago, did become a superhero, but now she's dead. And you never saw any of that. It just it's, I know the show will sometimes, by way of world building, throw out a lot of information. Like, oh, it turns out there was a justice society on this earth and they've never been mentioned before now. Like, they do do that sometimes. Yeah. But it just, I, I was unclear. I, was like, I, I feel like I need to go and look at the dialogue again because I feel like it was made clear in the episode whether this was an actual team that existed. or what. But you see what I'm saying, right? I, how, it would be the kind of thing that your mind might, if everybody you ever know died or abandoned you, right? Yeah. You would kind of concoct this idea like, oh, here's the superhero team that's made up of people I know and they're going to, and every time they go on a mission, they die because they're doomed, right? That seems like the kind of thing, especially in the weird heightened Doom Patrol Go musical that fantasy that he yeah. was having. And I do like that they took the cast from Teen Titans and Teen Titans Go, um, some of whom were already on the show because you've got Greg Sipes already doing Beast Boy. You've got Carrie Payton there because he does a bunch of characters, mm-hmm. you know, most notably uh, Black Lightning and, and Calder. And you brought in, and Tara Strong does, I'm sure she's done a voice for the show, but no, no, nobody that's a regular. But they bring in Tara Strong and Hinden Walsh and Scott Menville and have them do the other. Yep. Scott Menville as the chief is like a weird, hearing that squawky Robin voice that yeah, he yeah. does in Teen Titans Go come out of like, the guy's going to be played by Timothy yeah. Dalton in the live action series in a couple of weeks was like a weird mismatch. But, uh, <laughs> but yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, and then they go get Tara in the finale. And I think we were both like, because <laughs> like every time it was like oh Tara I'm so glad to have you back and she's like yes I am definitely still a sweet princess and have not been corrupted yeah 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 and I'm definitely not sleeping with Deathstroke or anything <laughs> and yeah then you get to the end and she's calling Deathstroke he's like yes no 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 our, she, she our sent him a text our secret evil plan is she ha 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 emoji Judas yeah. contract you know it's like they're doing it again I feel like I wonder if, I wonder if they're gonna they might, knife emoji knife hopefully emoji hopefully they're gonna <laughs> subvert that a little bit because we literally just got a, a Judas contract yeah. animated movie a year ago and the Teen Titans animated series did it in a sort of a kid-friendly way. And, of course, the comics have done it multiple times. Well, yeah, but why wouldn't they be able to do it in... Well, they can do it. Yeah, but I feel like they... I hope they put their own twist on it. I hope it's not just Tara... They've already done that in my Tara regard. falls in love with Beast Boy, but betrays the team to Deathstroke. And, like, all the pieces are there. Because even the the Beast Boy episode, didn't it make it seem like he was kind of going to be a superhero again? Yes. He's like, I was hiding in this fantasy. of yeah. trying try to be an actor He's like, like I'm my ready mom to grow was, up but now, now I'm ready to go back to... Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just hope they do Get their own spin on done. it, which it they've great. done before. Like they've they've done, they've either hinted at classic comic book storylines, but not dramatized them. Like the fact that Barbara's Oracle now, and so presumably the killing joke happened. Presumably, death in the family happened because Jason Todd is dead, and yep. now he's the red. Like mm-hmm. these things happen, we just didn't see them, and sometimes they do dramatize them, like Cyborg's origin, like Vandal Savage's origin. We see these classic stories. But they, they put a new spin on them usually, you know, like we just talked about they, the whole thing with Cyborg yeah. not being able to control this stuff at first or how Vandal Savage's life story was woven into this parallel story of his daughters and his pact with Darkseid and everything. Like that was all interesting. And the fact that he was the first metahuman, like they put their own spin on these these things. So I have yep. to do something a little different. Um, yeah. So now we so now and we've been talking before about how we hope that behind the scenes, even though we haven't haven't been made privy to it that the show has been renewed because if it hasn't that means we're going to be waiting like another year to year and a half for new episodes i mean as it is we're waiting four or five months till june for the last half of this season but hopefully we don't need to wait until you know june 2020 or january 2021 yeah for season four hopefully it's been renewed behind the scenes but greg weissman has said on twitter that that has not happened as of like a week ago yep so i don't know what they're waiting for because by all metrics and these things are hard to analyze because it's not like there's nielsen families or the equivalent for streaming shows so i don't know how these people get their metrics but according to all these you know analytics firms both titans and young justice were huge hits on streaming like they were the most streamed shows yep 
of of the weeks that they were on, you know, more than anything on Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever, which it's hard for me, hard for me to believe for like a, such a new service with such a niche market. Yes. But I guess it's possible. I don't know. Either either way, it seems like they're big hits. And Titans was renewed before it even started airing. Mm-hmm. Right, like Jeff John said at a convention, oh yeah, and this was like a month before season one started. Oh yeah, we've already been picked up for season two as like a show mm-hmm. of good faith. So I don't know why they didn't afford Young Justice the same luxury, especially with its history of like massive fan involvement. And yep. So and it seemed like a, a foregone conclusion. But anyway, nothing yet. So we need we need to wait six months for the second half of season three, and then hopefully there will be more. We don't yeah. know yet. Yeah, I don't know. Hopefully before then, if we go into this second half of the season still not knowing, that's going to be torture like i hopefully they won't do that to the fans hopefully like maybe just before the second half of the season starts they'll make an they'll announcement. make an announcement yeah. so that people can watch those episodes and rest easy you know yeah. but, yeah, uh, but nothing nice. yet yeah well fingers crossed and that's it for that's our a great show yes it was and um if you want to reach out to the show and share your opinions um we have an email address mailbag at smartspodcast.com on f- facebook it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast on twitter it's um, at Smarts Podcast, and our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Although I am thinking of taking down our Facebook page because oh, yeah. the Facebook is just. Uh, not sure it gets who a lot was of, it that said sure it, it was a, a crime engage. syndicate? A crime, like a criminal enterprise or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. It was John Gruber on, on Twitter. Well so. said, because I'm starting to agree with it. I'm not like, sure it gets who? a lot of engagement anyway. <laughs> I know. I'm not sure how many, how many likes or fans or we ha- members. We have I don't a few. even know there how Facebook some... works. Yeah, there no, there are some people on there. It's just we don't really get a lot of activity on the on the Facebook page. I I post stuff. Well, this there, is the most innocuous. I mean, we can talk about this later. But this is like we use it in like the most harmless, innocuous way. Yeah, absolutely. Like we don't we don't put any of our personal information on that. And we don't collect anything and, from and anybody. There's no reason, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like And and so what 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 horrible personal information can can the Facebook data miners get from the fact that somebody likes. A podcast page on Facebook, you right. know, like it's not like you're liking. Yeah, but that stunt that they you know, pulled with the apps heroin, and then selling a heroin fan page or an abortion clinic or something like there's nothing controversial that can be said about you. Right. The fact that you like this podcast, you know, yeah, so yeah. I feel like nobody's really endangering their their personal information or their security by engaging with our page on Facebook. I know, but I mean, it's it's really tough what they're doing, and it's not it's not ethical at all. And I'm starting to just. Think about putting our foot down, ethically speaking, and be like, I don't want a part of this. Yeah, I don't, maybe. I don't, I don't know. But so we'll, we'll keep you posted on that because the last shenanigans with this app and then selling, tricking teenagers into, hey, give me 20 bucks and uh, I'll give you this really cool app that steals all of your information and stalks you. And Apple really doesn't like this app, but hey, you know, if you jerry-rig your phone, oh God facebook why anyway so that's that's my little mini spiel but um i'll think uh, but with, as of now it's still up so i mention it in our closing and um that's it for today's show do you have any funny sounds for us where are my red things <laughs>